Shalom Aleichem. Welcome to The Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Alan Stobbins. Alan is the Lewis Sebring Professor of Humanities, Latin American, and Latino Culture at Amherst College. He's a publisher of Restless Books, a noted cultural commentator, and host of NEPR podcast, In Contrast. Welcome, Alan. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming over. And I should mention that that's a very brief bio because... We only have about 20 minutes on there, <laughs> <laughs> and your many talents and projects mm. would far exceed the 20 minutes. It's a long list. So thanks again for dropping by, and you came by today to talk about the screening that we have coming at the Yiddish Book Center this Sunday, My Mexican Shiva. Hey, indeed. Indeed. So I'm going to give full disclosure mm-hmm. um, to say that I've not yet watched the film because I've been sort of savoring that for Sunday. So um, I'm going to be asking you questions as if I were contemplating going to the movie, <laughs> but I know the movie well. So I'm going to start off with the New York Times review of um, the film when it premiered in 2006. Seven. Seven, okay. Um starts off, any comedy that can combine death, abortion, Jewish ritual, and a mariachi band without curdling into complete lunacy deserves a modicum of respect. In the case of my Mexican shiva, more would be pushing it. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about, set up the movie for us without a spoiler alert being needed. This is uh, a movie that was uh, made in the in the early days of this century, in the early years of this century, it is based on a short story that I wrote called uh, Dying in Hebrew, Morir Sestan Hebreo. Uh, it is uh, really about the story of an uncle of mine who uh, suddenly died, and uh, the family had to get together in the Shiva, and uh, it was a very dysfunctional family, and we ended up discovering all sorts of uh, aspects of the uh, my uncle's life that were totally surprising. Uh, as a result of that, the movie is really an attempt to recreate that kind of uh, tension in the family as the true uh, narrative of who he is uh, comes about. It's a comedy, it's light, it's uh, engaging, and uh, a decade into this uh, life of the movie, it has uh, I have been absolutely surprised by the way it has been received by the audience. It keeps on uh, being shown in festivals and receiving accolades. It's, uh, it's exciting. It, we're happy to have it back here again. Um, it was part of the Pioneer Jewish Film Festival, and I know people come back and back to see it. Um, do you think of it as a Jewish film? Oh, it's absolutely a Jewish film. Lisa, it, it is all about uh, being Mexican and Jewish and uh, the the difficult ways of bringing those two sides together in a humorous way. So I, I in fact, I even I would even go further. I think it's a it's kind of a midrash on exploring what death is as these two cultures uh, coalesce or maybe clash. A Hispanic and Jewish culture uh, in a way that uh, doesn't want to take itself very seriously. Interesting, because I think both Hispanic and Jewish cultures have very, if I think it's safe to say, very different ways of dealing with death. Very different. Uh, uh, on the one hand, you have, you have in Mexico in particular the Day of the Death, where everybody um, 
goes to and sleeps over in cemeteries in order to engage with the dead who are considered to be near you, uh, counseling uh, your your very life. And uh, that encounter between the here and now and the thereafter is crucial for that culture. Uh, in in uh, There's something morbid about it, uh, but there's also something very entertaining and joyful, uh, very festive. Uh, on the other hand, in Jewish culture, we... We bury the dead very quickly, within a day or two of uh, their passing. And then we spend uh, the first week helping those that are left behind be able to move forward. The Shiva is really not about the dead as much as it is about the living. And it is in a way that uh, combines food and combines some laughter, but generally the, the mood is very somber. So I can't, as, I, as you said, imagine two more heterogeneous cultures. And that's why this in this movie, the two of them together, um, result in a number of really very concrete uh, laughing moments. So let's talk a little bit, um, again, without having to give a spoiler alert, but the opening scene, which kind of sets it up. Yeah. Well, the opening scene is uh, the moment in which the main character, there's a video that is taking place, and the main character uh, has organized a celebration of his own life and has brought every single member uh, with whom he's still in speaking terms uh, to make that occasion uh, the, the, the festive one that it should be. But he has planned all this in a way that only he knows that he will not finish that uh, that party. He's, he has literally invited everybody to celebrate, but he has also secretly invited them to conclude his life. And indeed he does. I'm not spoiling anything. This mm. happens within literally tr three seconds or th four seconds uh, of the movie beginning. And after that, everybody enters a state of loss and disorientation. And the question is, uh, why did he die this way? And uh, what do we do now? How do we we bring a family that barely speaks to each other together and uh, memorialize this this man. Uh, his name was Moshe, um, and so it, the the movie is really divided into the days of the Shiva, one after the other. Those are the chapter um, uh, names, and uh, and how the relationships between siblings, between nephews and children and friends, uh, some of them coming literally out of the woodwork. He has uh, this, he, he was a very, he, he, was, he was a womanizer and has all these uh, different sides of the family that, uh, of his personality that the family doesn't know, including having spent a, a good portion of his last years with uh, Goye, with a non-Jew. So let's talk a little bit about this. Um, you say it's somewhat based on um, mm -hmm. yeah, family. You put together an interesting complement of characters to, I think, help this, well, obviously to help the narrative along. Can you tease out a little bit about yeah, that? Yeah, this is really, in fact, Lisa, uh, many of the characters have the exact names of my 
eh, cousins. Eh, so why uh, you moved from Mexico to the U.S.? No. <laughs> <laughs> in, in order to be able to write a story like right, this. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> eh, there are also... Not, exa- not always with the exact same names, but with the exact same profile. The main character, Moshe, who who dies in a way that my uncle, uh, uh, the brother of my mother, uh, died. Uh, and there is uh, one character who was involved in a bank robbery, uh, who eventually, in order to escape uh, the law, moves to Israel and becomes an Orthodox Jew. Uh, that happens in the movie as well. There is a, um, there's an aunt who has gone into this new agey approach of considering that emotions are the most crucial aspect of life and, and uh, smokes pot and lives in another dimension. She's also part of the movie. So um, when the movie was shown, as you might expect, uh, some members of the family sent a few emails either enthusiastic with the with what they were saying or a little uh, <laughs> disconcerted <laughs> do you think of sort of a takeaway a message connected with it i think the takeaway or the message lisa for me is that i have spent my entire life uh, trying to explore how these two cultures converge uh, what they mean um, the role that they are called to play in this century uh, I moved to the United States as an immigrant. My my grandparents were immigrants from Eastern Europe, Yiddish speakers, uh, to Mexico. My parents were already born in Mexico. And I became an immigrant myself, uh, now in a different landscape. Um, maybe there's nothing better for an artist, a writer, a musician, and a painter than leaving home behind. Uh, in order to understand home better, you see it with a certain perspective. And I think this movie is really, with all the humor that it has and, and uh, the parody that it engages in, it's really a tribute to the, to the type of milieu that I came from, which was immensely rich with creativity, with characters that are full of life, uh, that might seem a bit extreme and even exotic in this context, but that uh, I really wouldn't uh, change for anything. There's something extraordinarily complex in them, and I, I love that set. And you you have mariachi, you have this, and it's got a lot of it's got a lot of dimension to it. I, yes. Um, but it also has a lot of tradition. Yeah, tradition is at the core, and both the Mexican tradition. Mexico is a very traditional country, connected with the historically rooted views that go back to the time before the Spaniards arrived and that really have passed on through generations, like the Day of the Death. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Jewish tradition is equally uh, rooted in, in history. Um, I find that Mexico has been uh, incredibly generous in the way it has opened its doors to immigrants, particularly in this case to Jews from Eastern Europe. We didn't know when growing up that there had been other Jews that had lived in Mexico before the Ashkenazi Jews arrived. I'm talking about the Sephardic Jews that had been uh, expelled from the peninsula. And and yet they had already been kind of massaged into the culture. And some of the 
traditional manifestations of the nation's culture uh, show the, those the remnants of that Sephardic background, the crypto-Jews, the way the Inquisition forced a, a certain segment of the population to go underground, to resist, to rebel. Um, I think that a lot of the, that rebellion that is really embedded in Mexican culture comes from that period of uh, trying to figure out how to uh, strategize in order to evade the, the Inquisition. And it was only later, uh, when I was already a young man, that I started finding out a lot about this and starting going deeper into my own Jewish culture in Mexico. Um, and uh, I would say that uh, a, an important aspect of my career has been to give a voice to that culture, the culture of uh, Jews in Latin America. Um, we are half a million um, Sephardim and Ashkenazim. We laugh and we dream and we dance and we cooked and we do all sorts of things in unique ways that uh, might be linked to American Jews or European Jews or Israelis, but they are, that are also unique. And the purpose of the movie is really to explore that uniqueness. And I think, uh, yeah, I mean, you draw from those, the common roots and yet how, how does the sort of context in which you're brought up cultural context, if I may, um, impose itself or yeah. evolve that, mm. that. And you do intentionally um, deal with how Jewish ritual and tradition deals with the immediacy of the death and, and, and all of the attendant it's practices. As clear in the movie, it is as graphic as it can be. The, the title the credits, the titles uh, in the movie uh, take place while the dead body is being washed. And you see every single ritual that is that we perform in Mexico of cleaning the nails, of combing the hair, of uh, watering several times the body. And at some point, you there's something that is done by Mexican Jews of Ashkenazi descent, which is to uh, break a raw egg and spill it all over the chest uh, as a sign of uh, the return to the fertile ground where the body is going. And that happens at the beginning of the movie as well. So it's it. there was a lot of research that I did and the director uh, did as well of how the Hevra Kadisha does its, uh, its rituals. Uh, we went and visited on a number of occasions to see uh, the, the ritual performed with the different individuals. We requested permissions, uh, permission, the, the, the descent of the body into the soil, the, all that is the, the entire movie. In fact, the funny part too, Lisa, is that um, when the movie was in, on location, I asked permission to use the apartment where my uncle had lived for some time, and we figured it out, and that's that's uh, that's where wow. some of the movie takes place. So it's really connected. So you went on a journey with Uncle Moisha. Uh, in indeed, after after his death, yeah. in, into a new, into his immortality. Were you <laughs> were you very close to him? I wasn't very close to him. I was close, but not too close. Um, 
he was uh, he was a very big man, um, bombastic in his ways, uh, mysterious in how he handled himself with, particularly the next generation. I admired him, but I also felt some fear, uh, particularly when I was a little boy, of how uh, he might act uh, in front of me. And I think that that fear is part of what is in the movie. Did, did his death prompt the, the writing of the story, or did you did he become a vehicle for you to explore something else? The death, the death really prompted it. Uh, I couldn't go directly to the Shiva, but I, my mother and my siblings kept on calling me, and they would say, Len, you can't believe what this cousin did. And, you can't. and so the movie is how I imagined the Shiva to be. Uh, who was coming back and who was telling what to whom. Uh, and at the same time, an attempt to give, um, at the same time, give a place for that kind of a, a mourning uh, as it mutated into art. And I guess I ask this question a lot, so I'll ask it again. Mm. Um, did the story you set out to tell be become the story that you told? Excellent question. Uh, no. The, so the story that I was set out to tell was the story of, uh, of his death. And I thought that he was going to play a, a larger role, that he himself was going to be the protagonist. As it turns out in the movie, he, he hardly shows up. It's what everybody else makes of him. And there's also a, dis a difference, I wouldn't necessarily think a discrepancy, between the story and the movie. In the story, the, the action takes place in the year 2000 as the ruling party, which has been in power for uh, over 70 years, is finally crumbling, its power evaporating. And uh, so you get a lot of what is happening on the streets by the Shiva, the mourners, looking out and uh, witnessing a march or some reports from, from in the news about this, this political change. And the story creates a parallel between the fall of a major uh, leader in the family and the fall of the major leader in the country. Uh, but the movie is more about the family and less about the country. So the movie puts it puts the political side a bit out of 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 the spectrum. Oh, okay. So again, the movie is My Mexican Shiva, mm -hmm. um, and it is going to be screening here at the Yiddish Book Center this Sunday at two p.m. And um, you will be here. I will be here <gasps> to introduce it and to and to engage in questions and answers. It will be a pleasure. That will be a lively conversation, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> um, well, again, thank you, Alon, for coming over to the studio again today um, for this, and we're looking forward to Sunday. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a podcast of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. I'm Margaret Frothingham, Education Program Assistant at the Yiddish Book Center. For more information about this podcast and to subscribe, visit our website at yiddishbookcenter.org. While you're there, I recommend listening to episode 184, 
Miriam Udell on Yiddish children's literature, translation, and literary encounters, where Lisa Newman interviews Professor Udell on her fascinating studies of children's literature in the Yiddish literary tradition. Seid gesund, be well, and tune in again soon.